Well, good evening. I'm Pastor Mike, and I'm going to repeat exactly what uh, Pastor Roy just said. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. That was such a good man. I think uh, when, I, when I listen to the worship team, and I can have a lot of things on my mind, it all goes away. And we just, we just stand there and dance and worship and say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for everything that he's done for us. But nothing, nothing compares to the promises of this world. Me and Roy were just dancing back there talking about that. That was amazing. Well, over the past few weeks, a lot of people have been talking about thoughts and how we have to take control of our thoughts and what we need to do. So one of the things I started doing this last week, I said, well, what is a thought? And where does it come from? <laughs> and so I started asking myself, you know, it, well, it comes from your brain. Yeah. From your mind. Yeah. But where? <laughs> what causes a thought? I say, without getting too, too much into the physiology of the brain or any of that, but why? What? And so as I started looking at this, I said, how are thoughts formed and where do they come from? And why do we have thoughts we don't want as well as the thoughts that we do want? And how do we control that? And so the more I thought about that, I said, well, you know, we're made in God's image. It says, seek the Lord. This is Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him for salvation while he is near. This is the amplified version. Let the wicked leave behind his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. He will have compassion on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon us every time. So I started thinking, well, I have thoughts just like God's thoughts. Until you get to verse 8, and it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> and so, you know, the Holy Spirit has a way of showing you, yeah, you're almost there. But my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and, and my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So that kind of settled that issue for me right away. I said, okay, then there's, there's going to be a lot more to this than I thought. And what he uses, for example, is as, you know, for as the rain and snow come down in heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bear and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So how rain works is, you know, the, the, the water moisture, the vapor is formed in the atmosphere and God designed this. And so it forms drops or, or snowflakes. It comes down to the earth. It hits the earth. There's a seed there that's been planted. And, it moist, and that moisture will germinate the seed. Now, another question. How does that seed know to germinate when the moisture hits? Okay? So, I'm going to go there. But that's what God, see how God has designed this to work? And so that's why he's using this example. When that moisture comes down, it makes that seed sprout. And providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Well, he says the same thing. So will my word be that goes out of my mouth. Exact same ways. That's why he uses that example. Just as the rain will make the seed grow and it will produce other seeds, it says in verse 8 or uh, 10, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return there without water, make it bear and sprout. In 11 it says, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void. 
It can't. Just like the rain can't not moisturize the earth, germinate the seed. So his word will not return to him void, meaning useless, without result. Without accomplishing what I desire and without, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Okay, the matter in which he sent the word, it means it will succeed. That's powerful. When he says, my word is going to, it's going to accomplish what I desire when I said it, there's no turning back from that. Just as the seed can't say, okay, I'm not going to germinate even though I got wet. See why he uses the example of the earth for us so we can understand how spiritually that applies to us. So when we hear his word, we read his word, and we put that inside of us, and it starts to grow, it's going to accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. We can't stand around and wonder, well, Lord, did I hear from you? Yeah, we did. Go back up to it. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, he'll leave those behind. Those thoughts. Those thoughts. And so I, I kind of made people crazy all week asking them, where do thoughts come from? Why do we use thoughts? That's where so much originates in our brain. Why God gave us that. So, what belongs to us in Christ? There's four things I want to talk about tonight. The exact knowledge of God. The ability of God in us. We're going to be God inside minded. We're going to have that mind of Christ. And the last one, and not the least, of course, is we are a new creation. And, you know, we hear that word a lot. And lately, that's, that, that's begun to, with all the teachers that are pre- preaching about the unity and the spirit and the vision and the things, the new creation means more to me now than it did a year ago. We can't accomplish what we've been talking about unless we are a new creation. And we're going to talk about that. Because the union with Jesus and the Father and us is beyond human intelligence. It's beyond human understanding. It's something we have to take by faith, right? And so that human intelligence that gets us in trouble so many times, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to use any of the words, but I looked up the, the word thoughts in, in where these metaphysical philosophers make up these really pretty words to describe where thoughts come from just so that they can't answer the question either. Because <laughs> it's foolishness to them as well. So when, when we talk about that, what do we have, that union? We're born of the Spirit. We have the Spirit in us. A lot of Christians say that. A lot of denominations say that. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Word that He put out that grew in us. Just like when the rain came. That word that he put out has to produce something. Because it's not going to return to him void. It's succeeding in the matter in which he sent it. We are kept by his grace. Thank God for his grace. Especially, especially when we step out on our own. And we think, okay, I've got this, God. Let me do this. And, okay, wait. <laughs> what was that again? Say that again. We are linked up with him. We are linked up with God. He is now our very own spiritual father. Loved my father. Had a great man, taught me a lot of things. But he is my spiritual father now. 
God, God is showing me, because when we are utterly with Him, we are His children by nature. And how do you think of your children? You guide them, you protect them, you discipline them. You show them the way with love, sometimes with iron hand, sometimes with, with things that they don't understand yet that they're going to have to know later because I've already made those mistakes. Right? And that's how we, that's how we, we, we approach our children. And especially my son, I used to say, don't do that, that's going to leave a mark. Thump. Told you. And so by accident, he would understand, well, okay, he, I better listen to what Dad's saying. I better listen to what Dad is saying. Because we're born of heaven. We're begotten of the Holy Spirit. The Word that God put out has given us life. If we allow it. The Word that God has sent forth is succeeding in the manner for which He sent it. It's not just words we're reading anymore. It's not just, I know that story. It's not just, I have, yeah, I have those scriptures underlined in my Bible. They mean something now. More now than ever before. Look what we see. Joy, you know, Joy was talking. Look what we're seeing happen in the world. The second coming. Is it coming tomorrow? The next? doesn't matter. You know, there's people who try and predict that on the calendar. And, and, and all those guys I ever talked to that say, well, this is when it's going to happen. I said, you know, Jesus said only the Father knows. That's a word I'm going to keep, so quit, quit trying to make yourself crazy with this. When we get to the point where the natural mind cannot grasp what it says here about succeeding in the matter in which I sent it, then we take it by faith. And that's what faith is, believing in spite of your humanness, in spite of your intelligence, in spite of what you have been taught, maybe, in other denominations, other religions. There have been a bunch of us, have been in a couple, three denominations, and they don't believe in an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when you get to those people, they say, yes, that was for that time, or no, we don't practice that. That means they are not partakers of God's nature anymore. And we have to, and we have to lovingly teach people that. And we know He is in us. We are in Him. And we're all in God. In John 14, 20, it talks about that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. But one of the things I want to get to is the first thing is the exact knowledge. God's wisdom revealed by His Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 15, and I'm just going to hit part of it. Paul was desperate sometimes. My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What he's telling them is, this is not me being educated at, at Gamaliel University. This is not me being a Pharisee of Pharisees. This is the Holy Spirit, the power, the words that God has spoken through the prophet Isaiah that said, my ways are not your ways, but the word I'm sending you, learn it, apply it. Let, it, let the, the word soak you like the rain so that, the, so that, that, that word germinates inside you. Because once it does that, you never let go of it. You're never going to get rid of it. It's going to grow in you, and you're going to have seeds growing and fruit. And fruit. And what's good about that is then people can come up and pick the fruit, and it grows back. 
Just like a tree, just like, just like God designed the rest of, of the world, right? So there's love, joy, peace, patience, all those things that we're supposed to have that comes with the, with the watering of the word. In verse 7 it says, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Paul's sitting in prison writing this to the Corinthians. And the reason he's in prison is so he could write most of the New Testament. God had to, he was so busy traveling to churches and starting churches. And getting, I think God, this is my opinion, I think God said, okay, stop. I need you to write down everything I'm getting ready to tell you because they're going to use it for generations and centuries to know my word I passed on to you. And that's what he's doing here. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. That's straight from God's mouth that Paul wrote that. In verse 8 it says, None of the rulers of this age understood it. What they had, they would not have crucified him. Right? We know that. Isaiah 64 says, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, that what no human mind has conceived. God knew we weren't going to be able to grasp this with our, with our own intelligence. That's why he knew that we weren't going to be able to do what we thought we could do uh, uh, when, when we get extremely educated. But in verse 10 it says, These are the things that God has revealed to us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Okay, here's, now here's the clue. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Our spirit searches our mind. Only, only our spirit knows what's going on in our mind. But now we're infilled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Now the Holy Spirit's connecting us with God's Spirit. We're starting to understand God's mind. What, as much as He allows us to do and see and, and feel. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? Verse 12 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. That's when we start speaking in tongues. That's when we start words of knowledge. Words spoke by the spirit knows the thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining Spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. How many times have I read this scripture and read it so fast I didn't stop to understand it? Let me read that again. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words instead of human-taught words. Big difference huge difference. Now we're approaching what Paul understood, why he was so desperate to get so many churches started, why he had the vision the pastor's talking about. We have to have that vision. We have to have that reality. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. You know, we're talking to people in the world <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> they don't understand what we're talking about. 
They literally do not understand. It makes no sense to them. That's why he says it's foolishness. And we have to understand that. We can't go in talking to people about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is guys sitting there drinking. Like we, Remember those guys we saw, we saw at the corner in, in Calvert? That's so funny. There's five of them sitting there drinking quarts out of a, a brown paper bag. We were walking the streets of Calvert. And we, and Pastor and I walked up and said, can we pray for you? And four of them said, yeah. Yeah, you can pray for us. And one of them said, no, you ain't going to pray for me. And the other four jumped on him really quick. What do you mean they don't want you to pray for them? The <laughs> those guys understood at least that part, that praying for us for them was good. The one guy just thought it was foolishness. That's, how, that's when we have to start dropping the little seeds to people. And that's why he said, because they are discerned through the Spirit. These people can't understand what we're talking about. If we start off high and mighty, way up here on all of the spiritual development we've had over the last ten years. There's one simple question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Some of them say, who? Guys in prison that we've talked to. No, I've never really, uh, no, we've never, I've never really talked to anybody about that. Amazing that, you know, I grew up around churches and around uh, different areas. I thought, well, surely everybody knows that, right? No. No. They were asking people spring break on the beaches in Florida. Some teenagers, they said, you know what, what's Easter all about? And one of them said, is that when April Fool's starts? Really did not know what Easter was about. How could you... uh, how sad that they don't know that's resurrection day. That's the day we're fulfilled. Jesus was fulfilled. Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? That's Isaiah 43. No one. But we have the mind of Christ. That's what it says. So we have to confirm, and Peter talks about confirming our calling and our election. And he says in, in 2 Peter 1, 3-8, he says, The divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that's what he says, this amazing list in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You guys have read this, right? Goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And when you get to mutual affection, guess what that brings? After all that list is love. And what did Jesus preach? Love your neighbors yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Two commandments he left us with. That's it. I don't have to judge people who are sinners. I don't have to judge people who are committing crimes. I just have to love them. I have to tell them about Christ. I have to tell them this is what this is the life you, that you don't know about. You could be living this. I didn't find it out until I was in my twenties. You can find this out now. You're eighteen, nineteen years old. You can find this out and start living a life of promise and development. Teenagers are this day and age. You see so much, so much in the school, so much in the. The, the cancel culture, so much in the, on, the, on the social media where you can actually choose your gender when you get old enough. 
How stupid. How stupid. When we start thinking about those kind of things and what we should be able to teach as a church, we should be showing the holy light of God to the people. That they just, we see it now happening across the country. We see revivals breaking out. During the protests in Seattle, something like 2,000 people were baptized in the river there. That's amazing. That's God moving. Now, you don't see it on the news. You don't hear about it. Nobody's going to report it. Only on, on, the, on the background can you finally find all, some of this stuff. So what do we have? The ability of God in us is the next one. God imparts to man his ability. He not only recreates him, he gives him life, making him his very own child. He makes it possible for man to become partakers of his own wisdom. And what he's talking about here is 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, and we all have gone through this many, many times. But listen to this. Now to each one, believers, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit, the word God has spoken, is now going to come to fruition. It's going to come to what He intended it to do. Not just make us spiritually superior to the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the non-denominational people down the street. This is for individuals to have this for the common good. A message of wisdom from God himself. Another message of knowledge. The word of knowledge. We're supposed to all have that. Faith. And we have faith. Most of us believe that faith. But it's a gift, too. It's a gift we can have that has it's faith that's overwhelming faith. Gifts of healing. There's a controversial one. People aren't really healed. They, were, they, were, they just thought they were sick. You've heard people say that. You see, I, there was a, a video of a lady in Africa, and I wish I'd kept it. Her arm was broken so bad, it, I don't know if you've seen it, it was actually folded up. The humerus, the long bone here, was actually folded into like a Z. And she's in a revival, and they're praying, and she's crying, and that arm just straightens out. The bone just restores. I just go, does that happen every day? Yeah. Do we hear about it on the news? No. Do we hear other churches talking about it? No. In our church, we see people healed. We see people filled with the Holy Spirit. We see people speaking in tongues. When we have visitors coming, we have to be ready for that. We have to see the... The people coming, we're going to say, let me show you what the Spirit can do. Let me teach you about the Spirit. What the Holy Spirit says in Ezekiel uh, 36. I'm going to give you a new spirit when you're, when you're saved. And then I'm going to give you my spirit. That's what he said. To another prophecy, to another one distinguishing between spirits. That's discernment. We should be able to discern when we're talking to someone, whether they, when they say they're a Christian, if they're really a Christian or not. That sounds judgmental, doesn't it? No. That's what God gave us that ability so we can plant the right seeds. If you're going to a church where you, you warm up the pew and the choir comes out and then they deliver a a not offensive message, and the choir comes out again, and they all go home. And there's no spirit. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no action. 
I think that's such a disservice to those people. We should have the ability to, to, to show people through love, not through judgment, through love, what we have. I love what I have. You guys love what you have. We should be able to share that with people and just love on them until they're just saying, I want what you have. What makes you so different? I've had people at work ask me that. What, what's wrong with you? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> and I, I had a, a little pin that was the, uh, you, could have, you could be an oil-filled uh, pastor. And I had a little pin, and we'd be out on a drilling rig or something, and these guys would, something would happen, and they just, they're cussing up a blue streak. I mean, just every word you can think of, and they turn around and go, ooh, sorry, pastor. I said, you have to apologize to me. I just heard you talking to God in a really bad way. <laughs> and just in, in, just in love, say, look, you, when you get hurt like that, it's okay to cry. Oh, no, you don't, you don't cry. You're missing a finger. I think we should cry. <laughs> but he cussed so hard, he didn't understand what he just said. He was asking God to damn the whole place. Seriously. Well, when you get some people doing that, you have to be bold enough to stand up and go, whoa, 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 what are you saying, man? Now, with guys, it's a lot easier in the field. We can do that. But, but anybody who's been around those kind of construction sites or oil field sites, you have, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's a rough place, and you have to you have to be able to step up and talk and talk about. It. So speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues, of course, we have to have that, and we have that in this church. All these things are the work of one and the same Spirit. The same Spirit He's talking about that, and He spoke those words that came down like rain, and fulfilled what they were supposed to do. That's what those were. That's what, the, that's what those gifts are for. And, and somebody wants to say, well, I don't believe in that. I said, well, let me, let's talk about that. Let's, let's show me why. And people say, well, you know, it says in Scripture that it went away. Oh, really? Show me why. Well, it says when the perfect comes, that, those will go away. I said, oh, I missed the perfect. Show me the perfect, the perfect love. There's been, I think, a war every year since Jesus was crucified somewhere in this world. Famine. What, everything he predicted has been happening. And what we see now is, is, is such a division around the world and pestilence and things. How do we walk according to that? How do we walk ahead of that? Through the Spirit. In Romans 10, 8. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. The word that God put out, that doesn't return to him void, that's what we have in our mouth. That's what we're supposed to use. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Ten, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. It's with our mouth we profess to other people, this is what you have. This is what you have in Christ. This is what you can have in Christ. Let me talk to you about it. Let me show you how this works. You say, I'm not perfect, but man, I'd love to sit down with you and do, do some Bible study. Come to my church. You, man, you're going to love the way that, uh, Amy sings songs. That's the truth. The way the rest of the worship team sings songs, the way Mari sings songs, I mean, that's just a blessing for all of us. And I'm a little bit jealous that I can't do that. Yeah. In John 14, when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, 
This is the God inside-minded part that I was talking about. It says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you. 17, the Spirit of Truth. didn't say the Holy Spirit. What he said was the Spirit of Truth. Whatever comes from God, we can walk away with it and believe it. We don't have to question it. We don't have to look it up on, on Google. We, don't, we said that is the truth. The world can't accept that because it doesn't seem or know him, but we do. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Listen to this. One of pastor's favorite scriptures, verse 20. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You can't get more unity than that. We preach a lot of unity here. Now, we talk about what did, what did God say, the words? He sent Jesus to show us how to live as a man on this earth. He knew that just the words spoken in the Old Testament, how many times did the Israelites break the covenants? I'll give you a hint, every time. Every time. He knew we couldn't do it. He knew that man's human mind could not follow his word. So what did he do? He sent himself as a man, say, here, let me show you how to do it. And so Jesus walked the walk, talked it, taught us said, this is how you are a true man and woman in Christ. This is how you do it. It says, whoever has my command and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Ah, my favorite verse. Verse 26 says, But the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And here's my favorite part. And will remind you of everything I ever said when you need it. So when you're talking to someone or preaching to someone or you're witnessing to someone, if you've ever had it happen, all of a sudden you're saying things you didn't know that you knew, and you walk away going, hmm, I wonder where that came from. That was the Holy Spirit reminding you of everything you ever read, said, heard, walked in this word. Isn't that pretty, that's amazing, isn't it, that the Holy Spirit can do that for us? And, and those of us who get up and preach know we stand up here and we say, okay, this is what I've written down, and the Holy Spirit takes over. And the Holy Spirit will say and do some things that we didn't even plan to say. And Bill and I have laughed about that before in Sunday school class. He said, wow, that's pretty good. I said, yeah, I heard a lot of that for the first time. Because I didn't know that's what the Holy Spirit was going to say, right? All things. He reminds us of all things. So the very last thing we're going to talk about is being the new creation. You know, I don't think many Christians understand that we are truly a new creation. When we now we, we can become a Christian just been we've how many hundreds of people that, that we led to Christ and said, All I want you to do is just say these words and repeat after me and they do and they cry and they're they're a new man new woman, but they don't really understand what that means. And so we're going to talk about when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and why it had to come that way. When we became a new creation, that's when we received an infilling of the Holy Spirit. I didn't receive it for 15 years after I became a, uh, a Christian. I was driving down a lonely highway in Oklahoma. I was on, did, did a lot of traveling back then, about 60,000 miles a year in my car. 
And I was singing, and I went to a Methodist church, and all of a sudden I'm singing in tongues. And I pulled over because I didn't know the words to the song. And, of course, there's nobody else in the car, so I can sing as loud as I want, right? And I was singing in tongues. I pulled over. I go, what in the world? Pulled out, kept, kept driving. Happened again. Pulled back over and said, I think I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> there, was no, there was nobody there with me. And so that next Sunday, I told the Methodist pastor about it. I said, you don't believe what happened to me driving down the road, and look what happened. He goes, well, I'm glad you found something that works for you. Poor guy. And he really said that to me. I stood there going, oh, that was just for me. Okay. I went another five years before I understood that it was, you know, how sad that a pastor didn't know that. You will know how to use the name of Jesus and all the authority invested in that name. This is when you become a new, a new creation. You will know how to take advantage of your privileges as a member of the body of Christ and a child of God. Does that make sense? Let me read that again. You will know how to use the name of Jesus, first of all, and the authority invested in that. When we say the authority of Jesus, that's because of what the Holy Spirit has said and done for us. That's why people come up to you and go, how come you're different? What's so different about you? Why are you so happy? Don't you know we're happy? <laughs> You're not supposed to be happy. We're in a COVID, you know, we're in a, a pandemic and all that. No. We're supposed to know how to take advantage of our privileges as a member of the body of Christ. We have privileges. We have things we're allowed to say and do according to the Holy Spirit. And more importantly, as a child of God. Remember we talked a minute ago about how he treats us as his children, how we treat our own children. We would give our lives for them, literally. And we protect them and we, and we nurture them. That's what God did for us. And he continues to do that if we allow it. So let's go back to where thoughts came from. Where we put our mind, you know, going back to what it said in, in Second Peter, the goodness, the mercy... The grace, the love. One of the things we were talking about in one of the groups recently was stress. Stress and, and worry can cause so much interference in what we say and do during on a daily basis. It can be anything from finances to relationships to your boss to the job to what you're listening to on the radio or hearing on the news. That that stress... Or even, you know, what, just in our personal life, the stress we're doing things, we've, we have decided, Kathy and I, over the past year, when the uh, shutdown started, <coughs> she shut her business, I was laid off from work, so we went traveling. We went to New Mexico, we went to Montana, we went to Banderas, and we sat in the mountains and we, and we said, okay, no more stress. We got back home, you know what we did? Get rid of the things that caused stress. We didn't deal with the stress anymore, you're done out of here. No more stress. That sounds easy, but it's tough. It's tough. When the things that are causing you stress are making you not be a child of God or the bot in the body of Christ, it's time to eliminate it. Now, I'm not saying be brutal about it, but find out what's causing it. And if you're spending an inordinate amount of time trying to make yourself happy and it isn't working, guess what? You're not doing it right. 
pray, love, goodness, mercy. Everything you know, what, what Peter talked about there, the final part of that with the affection is love. The things I say when I say we got rid of it, we loved it away. It works. It works. And that's what God tells us to do. So in Romans 8, you know, you know this, uh, life in the Spirit, there's no condemnation in Christ. But go down to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again into fear. Probably the biggest thing we have in, in, in the world today is fear. You cannot read a, a news article without fear being there. Fear of what? Fear of, fear of, of, of illness. Fear of COVID. Fear of, of uh, everything that, that they... That they put out on the news has some way it's going to make my life worse if I listen to it. If I listen to it. So I've, a couple of people have told me, you can fix that with one finger. Click. <laughs> you turn that puppy off and don't listen to what's going on out there. I've never seen such fear put forth in the past 10 years. And unfortunately, I can say I can remember past 10 years ago. <laughs> but even when I was growing up, we didn't have that kind of fear. Our kids are growing up with so much fear constantly around them. They're doing it wrong. They're not doing it right. That the social, we have to help them with that. I've been spending a lot of time back with Pastor Josh. Kathy's teaching the little girls now. We're going to make sure that the kids get the right instruction before they ever go back to school. They have to, but the, you know what? We can't just tell them about it. We have to show it to them. Watch how I walk. Watch how I talk. Watch what I'm saying and doing. I'm not getting angry, but listen, here's what you've got to do. Sit down with our children. Let's all work with them a little bit. Real easy when we're in here and they're all isolated back there. Somebody's taking care of them, right? No, I'm going to tell you, get involved with them. It's too, it's too important right now. So all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again in fear. Rather, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So they're coming glory. Go down to verse 19. And I love this. And it took me a long time to understand what this meant. For the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. What? You mean all of the earth? All nature, it says, all of, for the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. That's us. For the creation was subjected to what? Futility. Not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to, to decay. When did that happen? In the garden. In the garden, we are. We sometimes hear that Jesus was the second Adam. Well, he showed us how to set creation itself free from the bondage of decay through the Spirit. That seems like a pretty tall order. Listen to this: in the hope that the creation itself also will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know. 
that the whole creation groans together and suffers with birth pains until now. All creation, that's what, that's what Romans is writing about here, all of creation, not only creation, but even ourselves. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inward, inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption. The one time that meant something even different to me is when Jesus has gone to raise Lazarus. And he waited four days on purpose. Because after three days, they actually declared him dead after they put him in the tomb. That's why Martha says, surely he stinketh by now. And so when when he's standing there, if you read it, it says, and he groaned out loud. He spoke in tongues. He did what he was supposed to do. He groaned with his spirit, just like we're supposed to do. Verse 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. You've been praying so hard and so fast or something, something so hard on your mind, you can't even talk, you, you just groan? Have you ever been that, that deep into prayer? You can't, you can't even say the words, you're crying, you're groaning, groaning? I invite you to do that. You can come up here in the morning. You can get on your face. I did that quite a bit at the other church. <clears throat> Cried into the carpet until I finally stood up one day and went, Oh, God, it's all yours. I'm happy now. <laughs> and it was. I turned it all over to God. Didn't care about worldly things. Didn't care about money. Didn't care about my job, my house. None of that. Not like I had been before. It was crushing me. And had been successful ever since. But it's not mine anymore. I turned it all over. That's what he's talking about here. Getting to the point where we can intercede with ourselves with those words. Because the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the believers according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is actually interceding for us when we do that. When you're in a, a position where you need to hear a word, Get on your face and pray and let the Holy Spirit intercede for you. I promise you, you're going to stand up in peace every time. It's a peace that passes understanding. You know what Jesus said? He said, peace I leave you, but not as the world has, my peace I leave you. That's a big difference. That's the Holy Spirit peace. And when you have the Holy Spirit peace, you have confidence, faith, and love. Nothing, nothing conquers the love, period. I'm going to stop there. Father God, we just thank you for your words tonight. Lord, we just pray that as, as we go forward, Lord, that when you send some people into us, Father God, that we're prepared as ministers. We're prepared as in the unity of this church to step up and do what we need to do. Lord, I bless everyone sitting here and everyone listening to this with an infilling of the Holy Spirit like they've never had. A groaning infilling with the Holy Spirit, God, that makes them understand that we are, we are nothing more than disciples, true disciples of Christ. Not just Christians. Not just, not just church members. We are true disciples, just like Peter, just like Paul, 
just like all the rest of John, Luke, Lord, we, that we have become those disciples. We thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.